0: The Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches.
1: Hello, my name's Richard Moore, and for this, our Tour de France preview podcast, I'm joined by Daniel Freib. Hello, Richard. Back from holiday with the exposed brickwork behind him once again. Hello,
0: Daniel. How are you? Yes, I'm fine. Thank you, Rich. I'm raring to go. I leave, so I'm in Berlin at the moment, and I leave for france today does it um, feel like the week in which tour de france begins um i well it certainly feels a bit more tour de francey than it did uh, the week before the race last year um you know the weather's heating up across europe although not in Brittany. i understand the forecast is looking pretty bleak um mm. 16 17 degrees a bit of rain that's that's um, pretty good for Brittany. Um, yeah, yeah, it will be a bit of a shock for for me. It's been thirty five degrees in Berlin this weekend, and we're also joined by Francois Thomaso
2: Hello, Francois. Hi there. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Excited? Yeah, it's. it's,
0: it's w- so doesn't yeah. sound very excited. <laughs> well,
2: it, it, it's it's always it's is odd the week before the tour. You know, there's there's kind of an excitement, expectation. In the same time, I wouldn't say stress, but like as well you know i'm in marseille it's 35 degrees everybody's going to the beach and you can't help uh you know doing a kind of a chiro being in a chiro mood and asking yourself whether you shouldn't be on uh, you know on the beach for the next three weeks then uh, on the tour but once yeah once it it gets going as we know uh it's great nerves francois (laughs) rich you Mm -hmm. get nervous the week before the tour? No, not not. I'm not nervous about the tour itself. You see, it, as I said, it's, it's more kind of uh, uh, thinking. Or oh, am I? Am I, You know, am I not too old for that? Or uh, shouldn't I be better on the beach? You know, what watching, number? Listening, 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 to the podcast. You what, know, <laughs> what, what number is this for you, François? I think it's. I think it's 32. 32. I think it, I, I I was in the street yesterday. I was counting on my fingers. Uh, you got that so many fingers. <laughs> 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 yeah. well i'm on my toes as well
1: you know. but <laughs> i mean francois you 're not too old for the tour, maybe to ride it, but certainly not to travel in our company and and uh, and share your thoughts on the podcast uh, you've been a member of our team for a few years now um am I nervous daniel um a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit this year. Um, we're we're still finalising our own lineup for the tour. As with you know, quite a few teams, maybe fifty percent of the teams, finalise their lineups for the tour as we speak on Monday morning. Uh, we're waiting for confirmation from others, and we're the same cycling podcast team. Cycling podcasts are the same. We're still in uh, in talks, um, and uh, we'll finalise our lineup later in the week. But it'll be will certainly be me and Francois, won't it, Francois?
2: Yeah, you said I I was going to be the road captain or something, so I'm going to try and do my best in that uh, new position. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, in
1: this week's episode, we will be sharing some of our plans for the tour, including revealing our uh, audio diaries. We've got four riders keeping audio diaries for us at the tour. Um, Another exciting signing for us as well, and I'll reveal that later on. Um, we will uh, be talking a bit about uh, the national championships and that have been run this weekend. We'll be talking about some of the team lineups, some surprises in the team lineups, and we'll be looking ahead to Saturday's first stage because our first podcast from the tour will come on Saturday evening after stage one. And it's a it's a very intriguing first stage with a, a quite a tough little finish that could suit any number of riders. Anyway on with the news Uh, I mentioned team lineups we've just heard team bike exchanges team for the tour and it includes Simon Yates which we weren't sure about he of course finished third at the Giro and is doubling up riding the tour and at one point or perhaps still the Olympic Games was his main focus for the year so Slightly surprised at that And he has been named in the team As one of the team's leaders So he will be going to the Tour Um, In the National Championships One of the the headline performances uh, Tom Dumoulin won the Dutch Time Trial Just returned to racing of course At the Tour of Switzerland Bob Jungels is out of the Tour de France He's had a very difficult season at AG2R uh, With health problems uh, that have forced forced him Out of his National Championships And out of the Tour de France As we said last week Chris Froome has been named in the Israel Startup Nation team for the Tour as Road Captain. That team will be led by Michael Woods. Um, increasing rumours that Rowan Dennis is going to Jumbo Visma from Team Ineos Grenadiers. He has been uh, left out of their team for the Tour and we'll perhaps talk a little bit about that later on. Confirmation from ASO that the new Tour de France for Women, the Tour de France Fem will be launched next year with Zwift as the major sponsor, an eight-day stage race starting on the final day of the Tour de France in Paris with a first stage that will, we understand, be the same as the, more or less the same as the men's uh, final stage with uh, finishing with a circuit race around the Champs-Élysées. And, um, on the national championships, I'll run through a few of the results. We'll not do them all because there are a lot of them, but a few of the ones that grab my eye. Um, in Italy, Sonny Colbrelli of Barring victorious. won the men's title. Elisa Longo-Borghini of Trek Segafredo won the women's. In the Netherlands, Timo Rosen of Jumbo Visma was the men's winner. Amy Peters of SD Works, the women's winner. In Belgium, Wout van Aert won a, a pretty exciting race. I mean, always a, a stacked field for the Belgian national road race. Um, Watt van Aert got away with Edward Toons and Remco Evenepoel. I think Toons actually bridged up to those two and uh, Van Aert narrowly outsprinted sprinted Toons for the title uh, Lotte Capecchi won the women's race again in Spain Omar Freiley of Astana he's just been named in Astana's team for the Tour de France this morning uh, they're going to the Tour to try for stage wins and he may well be a a good bet for them there he won a very interesting spanish uh, road race title uh, where astana really had had the numbers and uh he won in quite a surprising way in the end he looked to be leading the sprint out but got the gap and won the title mavi garcia won the women's title in france remy cavagna uh, took the win um on a, a tough uh, course undulating course Um, And we'll maybe talk about that one Because I think we all watched a a little bit of that Evita Muzic won the women's title Ahead of Audrey Cordon-Rigaud The defending champion In Denmark Madsvurts took the title For the men And in Slovenia Mate Mohoric Won the the men's road race Uh, Tadej Pogacar only 5th After finishing 3rd in the time trial 34 seconds down on Jan Tratnik
0: has any evidence video evidence actually surfaced of pog not winning the slovenian national championships because until it does i'm not sure i believe this
1: mm, interesting uh well i'm not aware of any daniel do you think what do you think it's some kind of bluff
0: ahead of the tour well a bluff or a huge conspiracy um <laughs> on the part of the slovenian government <laughs> possibly yeah i mean that's that's
1: probable uh in Norway, Tobias Foss won the, tit- the men's title. In the US, Joey Roskopf won the men's title. And in Slovakia, the new national road race champion of Slovakia is... a Sagan, and it's not Jorai or Karl. Peter Sagan. And Charles finally, as we discussed last week, the Koon and of quickstep have not announced their team for the Tour de France yet, but we fully expect Sam Bennett, who's been struggling against uh, with an injury to be named in that team rather than Mark Cavendish. well, scrap that. Um wow. Mark Cavendish has been named in the Decathlon Quick Step
0: team as the Italians, what a bombshell. As the Italians say, colpo di scena. <laughs> that is a very surprising turn of events. That, well, yeah, it's
1: literally just landed as we're recording uh, this news. We, we were led to believe that Bennett's injury was pretty minor and and indeed, um it's, uh, uh, apparently it, it is minor. Sam Bennett has released a statement saying as much, um, but it's prevented him being in top shape for the tour, the kind of shape that he needs to be to defend his green jersey. But Patrick Lefebvre, I mean, there are two elements to this story. There's Cavendish himself and his return to the, the tour. Um, and his return is a huge story. But for the moment, the big story is Patrick Lefebvre's comments about Sam Bennett suggesting that, um, his his weakness is not in his body, but in his mind that he's scared well, of. Well, we should probably read
0: a couple of them, shouldn't we, Richard? The translations of them. Um, I can't prove he doesn't have knee pain, but I'm starting to think more and more that it's. More performance and anxiety than just pain. Then another one. Three days before the Tour of Belgium, he bumped his knee against his handlebars. He didn't tell us about it. When he arrived, we sent him home again. Then it was a yes-no game to train or not to train. And then finally, yesterday he was supposed to come to Belgium, but then there were problems with his plane again. Then you start to think strange things. He will have to come anyway. I'm not going to let this pass by. Um, He will have to come, I presume. Belgium I presume he's been summoned So what's this is this a, a typical kind of Patrick Lefebvre
1: broadside um, against a rider with whom he's you know, clearly uh, fallen out or lost trust in um, you know w- there have been these rumours about Bennett going back to Bora Hansgrove there's a lot, lot of bad blood between Ralph Denk the, the manager at Bora and Patrick Lefebvre is that is that part, part of the explanation here is it just Lefebvre speaking his mind is is there a, a twinkle well, in his eyes or sometimes is, I, wouldn't, with, I don't think so here. that's
0: the thing with Lefebvre isn't it Rich and I never quite know whether it's intentional mischief making I mean in this case pretty um, pretty unkind to to Um, Sam Bennett, even slanderous I would say I mean he's he's suggesting that Sam Bennett might be lying Um, or is it simply that Patrick Lefebvre is one of those people who when speaking to journalists can't help but be honest and speak his mind and say exactly what he thinks Um, there's there's another element to it which is that I think and I'm not alone in this, I think you'd agree with me Rich that Patrick Lefebvre enjoys stirring the pot and he enjoys just sort of dropping, well, dropping a grenade and running for cover and seeing what damage it does.
1: I don't think he cares about the, the consequences of his remarks. You know, he at the Giro, he, he came through the mix zone a few times, didn't he? And there was nothing all that contentious at the time. But he, he certainly quite enjoys seeing controversial Things there's no no question about that, but certainly th- these comments are reputationally damaging, aren't they? they? They 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 certainly don't do Sam Bennett any favors at all. And to speak about that, um, speak uh, to speak like that about one of your own riders who's still uh, under contract with the team, of course, is is pretty bad. It also doesn't, I, I don't think, do Mark Cavendish many favors. The the implication is that he's been selected um, almost under duress, or certainly. Uh, as a second choice, um, and and that that doesn't do him any favors. Although the the team uh, made quite a lot of his selection, um, you know, Julian Alaphilippe is the other star in that team, of course. But um, yeah, it's it's it, his his comments today probably do cross a line, or they certainly do cross a line, and they've they've overshadowed the news of Mark Cavendish's return to the tour, which. On the other hand, people are very excited about it. I mean,
0: Cavendish going back to tour is a great story, isn't it? It's an incredible story and it's a phenomenal turnaround um, from, well, a few months ago and even going back a couple of years. Funnily enough, I remember at one of his lowest moments when Mark Cavendish was still at Dimension Data but was really um, in the doldrums and not being picked for races. He was in, I saw him in New york and he was training with none other than um, Michael Morkle. Um, who was also there and who was a quick-step rider at the time. But, um, yeah, uh, and now, of course, Morco, the best, by general admission, the best lead-out rider in the world, will be leading Cavendish out at the Tour de France. And, you know, there are so many sort of symbolic, um, what the French kind of call, little kind of winks um, towards Cavendish in his... And his history and his heritage and um, you know everything that he's achieved in in the Tour de France. The fact, for example, that um, there's a stage finishing at Fougere where he won for Quick Step a few years ago. There's a stage finish at Châteauroux when he claimed that momentous first stage win in 2008, which, as far as you know, I'm concerned and, and a lot of other people sort of opened the or opened the or blazed the trail for all of the the British. Um, riders that came later and even Bradley Wiggins winning the tour you know I think it all kind of that the seed was planted there and you know Neem as well we're going to where Cavendish has also won so you know as far as the sort of poetry of the whole thing is concerned you you couldn't really get a better script could you and and also you know a phenomenal phenomenal achievement um, by Cavendish having been written off to the extent that he was, but also I would just highlight the role of, I mean, to be honest, the the role of Lefebvre in... in, in reviving, resuscitating some of that lost or fragile confidence. And also his new coach, Vasilis Anastopoulos, the Greek coach who we spoke to earlier in the year, who is has sort of, well, he's overhauled Cavendish's training. He's got him focusing again on, well, what he does best, which is, you know, sprinting fast at the end of races and, and, and not so much on, you know, trying to become a better all round rider, but, um yeah what a what a, a a narrative what a story it sets up for the first week we we talked didn't we last week rich about the fact the one unfortunate thing the one caveat to this is that he's gonna have to wait quite a long time to get his first opportunity stage three and there aren't that many chances in the first week um so it's gonna be tough but he showed at the tour of belgium that if, if he's not the fastest He's going to be in the mix, I think, particularly with that lead-out train with Morco and also, you know, you put guys like Asgreen in there. He's going to have a fantastic... He's going to have a limousine ride into the sprints, you would think. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimise your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights and personalised analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success.
1: Thank you very much indeed to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens. And uh, well, through the Tour de France, we'll be hearing more about Super Sapiens, how it works. It's a continuous glucose monitoring system. I do warn you, Francois, I'll be wearing my device at the tour and probably talking about my glucose levels quite a lot
0: a lot yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really really it's really really <laughs> interesting i'm i'm learning uh, an awful lot there's an awful lot to learn and i've been on various um super sapiens facebook groups and all the rest of it learning about how it works and what what um what we can do better i mean uh for me for my for my modest rides and i'm hoping to get in a few at the tour um it's it's been a real eye-opener in terms of how to fuel for those so uh, we'll be hearing a lot more about super sapiens we'll also be running the competition again that we ran at the giro d'italia offering three listeners three months each of super sapiens uh, biosensor devices so they can track their glucose levels and uh all you have to do to enter that competition is send in uh minute, maximum minute long clip of audio telling us how you would use it. Um, it doesn't have to be a huge ambition or goal, anything at all. Um, there can be any reason at all to want to, uh, use it to train and perform and feel better. So we'll tell you more about that once the Tour de France gets underway. But chaps, a few uh, loose ends from the national championships. I kind of ran through the the winners there, but there were some quite interesting results. I mean, Wout Van Aert, um. There have been some questions over his fitness. He was playing down his uh, state of fitness and form uh, after winning the national championships, but that's a real boost for him going into the tour. Uh, Matthew van der Poel was a non-finisher in the Dutch national championships. I understand there's no real concern about him, although he did pull out the Tour of Switzerland with a, a cold as well. Um, the French championship, I know that we watched quite a bit of that. I watched certainly a lot of that um and it was a really fascinating race on a very selective uh course in terrible weather um heavy rain uh, down there in Epinal. and uh, it was a fascinating race because the big favorite of course was Julian Alaphilippe and Remy Cavagna who slipped into the the, the big move that that Alaphilippe was later chasing um really that that played to his advantage didn't it because the riders in the group had sort of half an eye on Alaphilippe chasing behind and Cavagna was able to get away. And as we know, when Cavagna gets away, he can be very difficult to bring back.
2: Yeah, the, the, the odd thing was he was, you know, Cavagna was by far the harsh favourite for the uh, time trial French Championship and he he really didn't deliver. It was a Goupama, FDJ, uh, you know, Treble, so so it was a little bit strange, you know. To it, it, wh- what did he miss you in in a time trial? We don't actually know, but but it, obviously, you know, you avenged that. Uh, I mean, in typical Cavañas fashion in the, in the, in the road uh, race, we were, I don't know about you, but with the rain and the turns in the end of the, at the end of the course, I, I, was, I was kind of fearing he might crash in a barrier like it did in a Giro, but it but didn't in the end. So, uh, yeah. There was,
0: Francois, there was a lot of chat on French television about him not taking his hands off the handlebars. Yeah. Um, is he notoriously a poor bike handler? Or yeah. a nervous bike
2: handler. The thing is, he started uh, cycling very late uh, in his uh, sporting life, or r- r- rather late, and he's still apparently very, very, you know, shy. On I mean, he, I mean, he's not a, he, he, yeah, no, he's not a great bike ha- bike handler, as we've seen a couple of times. He's, he's happy when the road is straight, uh, you know, and wide. And and as we as we saw on the, he, he, he crossed the line, you know, he, he raised one arm, and then once he was, you know, he made sure. He was past the line. He he, he had a, a miserable attempt at raising his his arms up in the air. And I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's it's very odd. I mean, he's
1: quite notorious for this. I mean, there was a very famous descent at the Tour of California in 2019. Um, and the irony here is that we often talk about the the roads in America being, you know, often quite wide and straight. Well, on a on a descent at the Tour of California, Cavagna gave a a really really um, uh, terrible kind of uh, uh, non-master class in descending. He was all over the place and he looked uh, completely out of control. And it is amazing how a guy who's not that young anymore, really can get so far into his career and be such a good rider without having developed some of these skills. And especially in a team like De Kooning Quickstep where, you know, technical skills you would think are really important. You know, they're often the team that are breaking up races and crosswinds and so on. Um, you compare him to Michael Morkov, you know, and, and with his track background, his ability to master his bike and move around the bunch safely is phenomenal. You'd think that somebody like that could take Cavagna under his wing and, and help him a little bit. Because to not, yeah, I mean, he he did take his hands off the bars very briefly, but his bike veered a little and he was very quickly back on him. I mean, again, the descent in the, the national championship showed his his lack of prowess and bike handling it was it's it's quite amazing to see for such a powerful strong and accomplished rider
2: yeah. he's trained by uh, by you know uh, Julian Alaphilippe's cousin who's, who's you know, Julian Alaphilippe's uh, uh, coach as well and I mean he, he could learn a few lessons from Alaphilippe as well in bike handling but yeah I, I think it's, it's, it's some sort of a block you know he's uh, some sort of complex I don't know because uh, as we saw it, it was really really you know striking when he crossed the line you know he, everybody was telling him you know raise these arms you know and he was, was, uh, you're you're really clumsy about it. And it was, yeah, it was was kind of a miserable sight.
1: (laughs) But there's also, there are so many, it'd be fascinating to speak to him about this something, because there are so many other uh, parts of the race where you do need good bike handling skills, whether it be back at the car collecting, bidons, musettes, you know, um, all all those kind of things do require... Um, a level of bike handling skills that he doesn't seem sometimes to possess. Um, So it's an interesting one.
0: No, and he's he's not really a rider who thus far in his career, at least not that I can remember, has distinguished himself as a, you know, you you mentioned getting bottles rich. You don't often see Remy Cavagna doing incredible work for a team captain. He he is more of an individualist, which isn't a criticism, but it might also explain, um, I know, I I think... um, he's he's got big goals for the uh, the olympics but it's possibly one reason why he wasn't on the short list for the Koenig quick steps tour team and it, it looks as though he's not going to be included no he's not going on he's well, not going
2: to the tour that's for sure no yeah mm-hmm. no no
0: i mean he he uh, famous is the TGV,
1: isn't he? But he uh, certainly doesn't descend like he's on rails. I should have thought of that (laughs) earlier. Didn't, but it's never too late to shoehorn in uh, something like that.
0: Uh, Chaps, um, Francois mentioned Cavagna being trained by Franck uh, a la Philippe. Um, there There weren't any real clues or too many clues about how well Julien is going, although he did attack when it was slightly too late in the French Nationals on Sunday. Um, but Francois, what are your thoughts about the likelihood of a, a re- repeat of 2019 with Philippe? Because, I mean, uh, it's been, well, it was well-documented last week that he, be, he became a father, and, you know, you look at various precedents in cycling of riders becoming fathers and then just performing incredibly well, U- usually better Um, sometimes worse, but usually better when they um, become parents. Um, Jan Ulrich famously became a father on the eve of the 2003 Tour de France. That was probably his second best or third best Tour de France. Um, He finished second behind Lance Armstrong. And then there are other examples, Maurizio Fondrius becoming a father the the night before he won Milan-San Remo. And it just strikes me that with the route the way it is, the, the possibility of going into the yellow jersey or being close to the yellow jersey Early on in the tour, maybe carrying that momentum through in the same way that he did in 2019, that is there, and it might be another classic vintage for
2: Alaphilippe. Yeah, so obviously, I mean, as much as his his main target last, you know, last season were the words. Uh, obviously, when you so, I mean the route we we always mention the, the the Tour de France course being designed for French riders by Prudhomme. Uh, most of the time, it doesn't work. Like you know, ah, they, they, we used to say, oh, you know, this is the ideal for Bardet, and that, that usually it was a year Bardet underperformed. Same for Pinot. I mean, uh, uh, Christian Prudhomme, even this week, you know, was, was clear about it. I mean, you know, sometimes he denies, you know, uh, designing courses for any purpose. Uh, but, but he, he this week. Prudhomme said, and, you know, and he said, let's just imagine that Julien Lafilippe might be in the yellow jersey in Brittany. That would be great. That's what he said. So obviously, the, 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 the first uh, three days in Brittany have been, you know, designed for Julien Lafilippe to take the yellow jersey because, uh, you know, Prudhomme is well aware that with with the competition of the uh, Euro football and the, the Olympics uh, looming, uh, if he wants the 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 tour to keep making headlines, you know, uh, at home, especially if if the French do well in football, uh, he needs to have Julian Alaphilippe in, in yellow, and and it's and Ala Alaphilippe being almost the only serious chance of a of a good French showing in the tour, uh, and knowing the guy a little bit I I, I think uh, I think fatherhood will probably be a boost uh, for his for everything his morale his his abilities his uh, excitement at at, you know at riding so to me uh, uh, he is obviously the the arch favorite for the first uh, the first week of the tour to be in yellow which doesn't mean you know he he might keep the jersey as long as he did uh, in 2019 but yeah I, I I the the, the 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 script the way it's been pre-written that's the one absolutely
0: yeah and even even things Francois like the fact that the tour is going back to Le Grand Bournon in the Alps where he won in 2018 and um you know a lot of those finishes people have maligned the fact there aren't enough summit finishes and there are a lot of mountain stages that finish um after descents but again that's going to suit Alaphilippe perfectly you would think and let's not forget the time trials as well I mean if he's in the 2019 form
1: remember that time trial in po, Um the time trials won't be a problem for him and he rode a, a very strong time trial on his road bike at the Tour of Switzerland recently um, any other takeaways from the national champs? I mean, we don't know enough about the Slovenian
2: yeah, uh, well, road
1: race. We don't even know. We don't even know for sure that it happened. Yeah, the thing. The thing I wanted to.
2: If the results we get are uh, right, it's. Uh, it, it, they were won by <laughs> the championships were won by a barren victorious rider and. Uh, uh, which which shows that you know that 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 an impressive trend of winning at the moment is is really I, I was looking at the results of Baron Victorious in the, the I, I know there's there has been suspicion in the social media as usual when a team wins. Uh, I remember Astana in the last couple of seasons, but whatever my, my, my impression because they don't have a clear leader in for the tour is that it might be the Sunweb of last uh, tour de France going for stage wins and uh, winning quite a, quite a few. We'll see. But once again, we had Colbredi winning the Italians, uh, Moritz winning the Slovenians. I mean, their wave of success at the moment is impressive. Definitely.
0: 13 victories since the 12th of May. Mm. Um, yeah. which is pretty extraordinary even by the standards of well previous teams that have sort of rattled off um, large numbers of wins in a short period of time the Koenig Quickstep have done it on various occasions hdc um columbia used to do it almost every year but that is quite remarkable isn't it the cycling podcast is supported by science in
2: sport science in sport fueled by science
1: Thanks very much indeed to Science & Sport for their support of the Cycling Podcast. If you want 25% off all your Science & Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and enter the code SISCP25, SISCP25. And thanks once again to Science & Sport. We will also be running the competition uh, that we ran at the Giro d'Italia, the Super Sundays with Science & Sport Predict the winner of each Sunday stage, including this Sunday's stage two that finishes on the Mur de Bretagne. Um, And be in with a chance of winning a fantastic bundle of science and sport products. Um, If you go to our website, thecyclingpodcast.com, you will be able to enter. um, If several of you pick the, the correct winner, your names will go into our cycling podcast, casket and the winner will receive this great bundle, which will include um, some of the new beta fuel range that launches later this week. A um, couple of bits of business. Um, we've got a lot of episodes coming out this week to get you warmed up for the Tour de France. Um, the next installment of our Young Riders Diaries for friends of the podcast. If you're a friend of the podcast, you'll get this episode. Um, we are following Joe Laverick, Red Walters, and Marilyn Van Um, On a a difficult season for young riders And there have been some real ups and downs for them um, As you'll hear in this latest episode That's coming out later this week If you're not a friend of the podcast You can sign up at thecyclingpodcast.com We've got a Femina special Annemiek van Vluten uh, got in touch with Orla Shinnewi After the last episode of the Cycling Podcast Femina um, With a few points to make about some of the things we talked about So Orla Had a long conversation with her last week. We're putting that out as a bit of a a special. She is missing La Course and the Giro to focus on the Olympic Games. And she had some really interesting things to say. So that will come out later this week. And there's uh, another episode of Service Course uh, with the return of Lizzie Banks. Tom Wally and Lizzie Banks with Service Course later this week. And then from Saturday, we begin our nightly coverage of the Tour de France. And then Monday to Friday mornings, uh, we will have episodes of Kilometre Zero, also supported by Super Sapiens. So five episodes of Kilometre Zero a week and nightly episodes of the regular show. Um, Our tour diarists, we had uh, a few last year and we've got four handpicked this year selected for their audio diary skills. One of them, an old hand. We had him last year on the on the race. But before I reveal the four names, let's have a drum roll. Well, audio diarist number one, and we'll be hearing from our diarist in the nightly episodes and in Kilometer Zero, is Connor Swift of Arkea Samsic. He uh, kept an audio diary at the tour last year and it was a real hit with our listeners. So we asked Connor to do it again. Um, also, Ben O'Connor from AG2R. You don't have to have Connor in your name to be an audio diarist for the Cycling Podcast, but it definitely helps. Ben is an Australian, uh, a climber. He's having a very good season, his first with AG2R, and I'll be fascinated to hear about his first Tour de France. Our third audio diarist is Victor Campenarts of Quebec, Assos. A fascinating figure, Uh, Victor, gave us a great interview at the Giro, uh, all about Filippo Ghana, the hour record, th- the fact that he has switched his focus from time travelling to stage-hunting. Really thoughtful and interesting and quite quirky guy. So very much looking forward to getting his thoughts and insights on his Tour de France and his team's Tour de France. And finally, our fourth audio diarist, another favourite with cycling podcast listeners, we know that to be true, Tim de Klerk of De current Quick-Step. What a job he's going to have at the race, um, we see him so much or so often uh, for such long periods at the front of the bunch, towing it along this year in the service of Juliana Philippe, obviously, but also Mark Cavendish. So, yeah, really uh, looking forward to hearing f- uh, from Tim DeClercq. Again, a really interesting guy to speak to when we've spoken to him at races, which is why we've asked him to keep an audio diary. And I'm looking forward to hearing from all four riders. We'll also be doing a Tour de France collection of wine uh, from divine cellars. Um, there might not be a, another special episode with Daniel in conversation with be. Greg Andrews. Oh, if, if you want, Daniel, I'm I'm due to speak to Greg later this week, but um, my questions about his six bottles of wine that he's he's selected for the tour might not be as probing or well informed <laughs> as yours. Um, I mean, no, I would uh, I would suggest that you're probably right about that i mean um, i would uh,
0: modestly suggest my,
1: <laughs> my questions will relate to color and percentage of alcohol i, su- I suspect but anyway we'll, we'll give it a go and country of origin <laughs> well i believe they're all french um so that but the the, the point is that the, the collection will be available uh, and the the Giro collection was very popular with listeners so if you're interested in purchasing And he's sold a few already, I believe. The Cycling Podcast Tour de France collection. Um, You can go to our website, thecyclingpodcast.com and click through to Divine Sellers. That's D-V-I-N-E. Or you can go straight there and you'll see it on on Greg's homepage. I'll put some... uh, a reference to this in the episode notes.
0: Rich, while while we're on that subject and while I remember, we should congratulate friend of the podcast, Matteo Sobrero, the new Italian national time trial champion, who, of course, um, is the... Well, he's a winemaker himself, Matteo, and we've, we've featured his winemaking exploits before, but that was a big shock, wasn't it? Him beating Filippo Ganna, um, beating him, well by by a uh, substantial margin as well to the Italian national time trial championship there were a few surprises in the in the time trials um i
1: think in the national time trials de Moulin, not not such a surprise i think that was his fourth title but obviously a great return for him i mean cavagna was a big big shock not sure what happened there but yeah a few few titles uh, a few surprises in the in the the time trials the national championships are kind of strange aren't they and And maybe we should be looking at Pogacar's fifth place in that context coming so soon before the tour. Let's not forget that the the Slovenian national championships last year were one of the first races, weren't they? Uh, They were the same weekend, I think, the end of June, um, but a good uh, length of time before the tour. So who knows where Pog is at? or was at in his in his training and preparation for the tour. But just before the break we were talking a bit you were talking a bit about Bahrain Victorious. They are really uh, on on top form a lot of their riders. Uh, but there's a surprise uh, in their Tour de France lineup with the omission of Marc Padun. One could almost argue that Gino Mäder's omission is a surprise too given that he was in such great form at the Tour of Switzerland, Um, but Paduna won those back-to-back stages at the Dauphiné uh, Mountain stages. And I think people were looking forward to seeing how he'd get on at the the Tour de France. So his omission is a big surprise. Francois suggested when we were talking about this earlier that it was because they worried that he'd win every stage. Um, But Daniel, you have maybe a more credible explanation.
0: Well, um, I'm not sure about that, but it's simply that he wasn't, he was never really being considered for the bahrain tour team he wasn't on the long list at at the start of the season and back then no one really would have been surprised because he's been a decent performer for them for a few years but quite erratic um he's still quite young he's he's 24 and uh, yeah so was never really in the shake-up and that said you know we've seen this in the past where riders have managed to secure their ticket, um, having not previously been pencilled in. Um, At the last minute, um, go way back uh, to 1996, famously, Jan Ulrich was a 22-year-old second-year pro for Deutsche Telekom, rode really well at the Tour of Switzerland, didn't win stages like Padun did at the Dauphine, but rode well enough in support of um, his leader, Bjarne Ries, to to um, force the team management to change their plans put Ulrich in at the last minute he then finished second so you know it it wouldn't have been a shock if um, they had found a place for for Padun but um, they've gone with what was their original plan I think Padun is going to do the Vuelta there's been a lot of speculation about various things why he's not um, in the team one suggestion was maybe that he has already agreed to join another team next year I don't understand that that is the case necessarily um, I don't think he has a contract for next year with Bahrain victorious but it's simply simply an issue of planning and the team having a plan and sticking to it
2: yeah, I I was thinking as well that 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 maybe if he had been selected or considered for the tour, uh Padun w- w- might not have won the two stages at the Dauphine because he would have been asked to hold back a little bit. Uh and and probably uh he won those stages as well because he was at the peak uh, of his form and 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 we don't know about the riders you know training schedules but 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 obviously if he was not considered to be uh, in the tour Probably his, his peak of form was what you know coincided with the uh, the Dauphiné. so it might be a, a reason why. But uh, apart from that, uh, and apart. From their, you know, amazing wave of, of, of success that, as I said, you know, uh, led to speculations as usual and stuff. Because we've seen in the past, you know, teams, you know, winning. Uh, I mean, th- this winning streak is quite amazing. But uh, my impression, because there's not clear uh, GC leader in the team for the tour, there might be the somewhat the Sunweb of the 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 tour 2020, and I, I think they've they've got lots lots of, of chances to to win stages, and I. I I guess that's what they're going to aim for.
0: And chaps, I think they've got a really good chance of taking the first yellow jersey of the race. I mean, if Sonny Colbrelli was to win on Saturday, people would perhaps see it as an, as an upset given that Van der Poel and Van Aert and Alaphilippe are very much fancied but Colbrelli is in fantastic form and with every sort of passing week, month he's becoming less of a bunch sprinter and more of a, a kind of puncher almost in the Alaphilippe mould we saw that at the Dauphiné and, and yesterday in the Italian National Championships um, he, well he dropped everyone on, on an uphill
2: finish so he's got a real chance I think on Saturday do you think he could be fancy for the green jersey or to go for something like that? I mean he's got a profile.
0: Definitely Francois, especially given that Van Art has already he's said that he won't go for that. Um, Sagan is obviously the the favorite and um, yeah, I think Sagan over the last year or two has shown signs of being, well, Less of a less of a threat for um, stage wins and certainly in bunch sprints, but I don't think his abilities are diminished in any way as far as consistency and the green jersey is concerned. But Colbrelli might put up quite a credible challenge. I think. Any other surprises in the lineups? I think the Enios Grenadiers eight-rider
1: team was confirmed after we recorded. Last week, Daniel. Both of you were expressing some surprise. Well Daniel, you were expressing some surprise that Rowan Dennis wasn't in the lineup. Um uh Jonathan Castrovieco who rode the, 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 the Giro is is in probably in his in his place, although you know, um he he's a bit of Rowan Dennis, a bit of Castrovieco, a bit of Dylan Van Baarle
0: perhaps, and that's maybe the point, that he, he is maybe a more versatile rider, slightly. I'm surprised because to me Rowan Dennis really epitomises this role this figure the kind of rider who has been key to the Unios success over the last few years i.e. You know, in the age of the eight man Grand Tour teams Dennis has been a guy who can do the work of two men um, he's an outstanding mountain domestique was absolutely instrumental in Theo Gegenhart's win in the Giro last year but also is really good on the, on the flat as we know um, so I, I'm slightly surprised and and I see his omission as, well, INEOS maybe giving up a bit of an advantage or a further advantage they had over the likes of UAE Emirates and Yumbo Visma, but... You know, it's well documented or it's certainly um, frequently speculated about Dennis's, well, the, the reasons that he left Bahrain, Merida a couple of years ago. And um, this idea that he, he can be a volatile character. Um, there's been no suggestion that there have been problems of that nature at Ineos Grenadiers. But perhaps Team Harmony or the fact that he's rumoured to be leaving the team, they, they were factors as well. I'm not quite sure, but um, I, I was surprised.
2: Mm, I, I'm. I don't think. Well, I, I don't think the omission will change. Will change much, and I'm not even sure. You know, Dennis would have made the team. I know. I know about his qualities, obviously. But you, you need a balance in the team. You already have four would-be GC leaders. Uh, if you had, had another, to, you know, strong personality uh, as a fifth. Teammate in in Dennis, then maybe the the, the balance of the team might have uh, been might might have changed a little bit, and and I mean Castroviera in the mountain and Dylan Van Barley was also a multitask uh, tool, you know, in many ways. I, I don't think you can say they are they are bad riders or bad teammates. May, may, lots of uh, teams would have, would love to have these guys uh, in their ranks. Uh, maybe as, uh, also. As we saw in the Giro uh, last year, Dennis was the guy you know, the leading uh, the bunch in the, in, in, in the mountains. But is it what we were expecting of Ineos this year, to control the race and to lead the way in the mountains? I'm not sure. I mean, and that's another question we raised uh, before uh, recording. You know, what are we going to see in the climbs? Is, is any team going to lead the way? And if so which team
0: yeah the the issue of whether we'll see the typical Ineos train or the what was the sky train is a is an interesting one because you know theoretically you could imagine luke rowe and dylan van baal doing their work before the final climb of the big mountain stages with multiple climbs and and what does that leave well it leaves maybe castro viejo i'm um, a fast pace into the bottom of those climbs but then um, Kwiatkowski taking over but then you're into the leaders or the semi-leaders the Teo Gagin-Harts the Richie Ports and um, you, you, you're into the likelihood of having to sacrifice someone um, so uh, I, I struggle to imagine what that's, that's going to look like I think there will be times in the race when they will want to take control in the mountains and do precisely that set, set the high pace but is that going to be to the detriment of this uh, collective advantage they have this embarrassment of riches in terms of potential leaders and to yeah I mean to what end because the um you know you
1: see a, a mountain train if you want to call it that when a team uh, has a, an overwhelming favorite or this the, the a rider that they who they know is the strongest rider in the race as we saw with Jumbo Visma last year that was the that was the way that they rode because they believed that Roglic was the strongest in the race and the favourite to win. But in doing so, all they did was they dragged uh, Tadej Pogachar around France for three weeks before he produced that performance at La Planche de Belfi. And they they were stung by that, definitely. They won't make that same mistake again. And I kind of look around the different teams and wonder which, if any, teams will. Um, I mean, Ineos Grenadiers, if they were to ride in that way... Um, They've got riders lurking behind them who are going to be at least the equal of their leaders. You would think on paper, that's that's what it looks like, anyway. So I can't really see the advantages to them of of riding in that way. And they are of course promising to ride in a in a very different way. But I think they'll have to. Mm-hmm.
2: My my impression is as we've seen in 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 the, in football with the Euro, you know, currently in the Euro, uh, a, a good way to win. Matches these days to let is to let the other team play, and my my impression is that we we could have that that sort of Tour de France when everybody is is hoping for the other team to to play and to lead the way, and it could be a kind of. Counter-attacking uh, Tour de France when the, the 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 plan is to because last year as we saw Jumbo-Visma, they're not going to make the same mistake again they they they, they were quite they were kind of dominating the game uh, until the, the until extra time and in extra time Pogacar scored you know and that, that's not the sort of thing they will they will be trying to do uh, again this time this said uh, I think that's that's the that that's essential for 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 Roglic uh i mean he, he's tried many times he's failed for the for the time being uh he, he can't be the guy who, who's only won the giro and, and and the Welta. i mean is is for him to fail again this year i think would be uh, really probably really disastrous i mean i mean in terms of his chances of winning the the, the tour one day it'd he, be kind of cursed and the way the way the, uh, the way he, he prepared for the tour which is quite uh obscure in a way he prepared for the tour the way uh you know the greats of the of the past used to uh, uh used to prepare for the tour like uh, like in hiding a little bit so uh how, how, how it's interesting to see how Ineos are going to 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 act, and I think all, all, they're going to his, wait.
1: All his eggs, but all his eggs are certainly in one basket, yeah, aren't they?
2: But, but it's, it'll be very interesting to see how humor with this man going to tackle the, the race this year. Because, that, because corrections you, corner though, hmm? Francois, he hasn't won the Giro. Oh, I just have, yeah. have to point out. <laughs> <That's true. laughs>
0: but chaps, we always talk in terms of Grand Tours being decided in time trials and mountains, and I think it's increasingly overlooked that well, I've harped on over the last few months about the importance of time bonuses and I looked forward to this Tour de France thinking that Roglic could potentially claim 20 seconds on the first two days. I'm, I'm not so sure about that now. Um, I think Van der Poel and Van Aert certainly and Alaphilippe have have better chances in stage one and stage two but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Roglic could pick up some significant bonus seconds in the first couple of days and then um, if you look at the impact that the crosswinds have had over the last five or six years partly because the Grand Tour organisers are looking for them now Um, there are a couple of stages there is a stage across the centre of France um, the stage that starts in um, Le Creusot I think is possibly vulnerable to Crosswinds, and then there's a stage in the Midi um, down between the Alps and Pyrenees, that could also lend itself to crosswinds. But um, I think that they could play a huge part um, again in the in the shake-up this year. I mean... It's, I think it's five years now. It will be five years in July since a uh, Grand Tour has been won by more than three minutes. The, the gaps are getting smaller and smaller. It's very likely this year's tour will be decided by less than a minute. And we've seen more time won and lost in crosswinds in the last few years than in, in mountain stages often. So I think you know, how those teams perform on those days, if the wind does blow, could potentially decide the tour.
2: Yeah, I think the interesting thing in the end, and which makes it probably one of the most exciting tours in many years, is that we can't expect Humbo Visma to, to to ride the tour the way they did it last year. We can't expect uh, Ineos to ride the tour the way they used to ride it. So we don't know what they're going to do. And we can't expect POG to surprise anybody on the last day. So how is POG going to ride the tour himself? So we actually... Uh, at a loss, you know, to, to 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 define or to think of a scenario that might be logical.
1: Well, we you've spoken in the past Daniel, about dynasties, and uh, you know when we're when we're in the middle of a dynasty, uh, unfortunately, that can be to the the detriment of the entertainment and unpredictability of the tour. And we're fortunate we're not we're very much not in a in a dynasty at the moment. It's very very open, and I I I sort of fear another Pagatcha win. If only because that would mean he was he would be going into next year's tour, uh, trying to win a, for a third time, and it would it would begin to look very much like the start of a of a dynasty, and that, as I say, often makes the tour a lot less interesting. Um, so long may this openness uh, and unpredictability well, reign.
0: And one of the reasons why those dynasties happen, Rich, that's often overlooked, is that the best rider in the peloton or the, the likely Tour de France winner is often recruited by. Or belongs to the team which then attracts the biggest sponsor and the most amount of money and they can then afford the best domestics, and consequently you get the superior rider plus the superior team we're we in it the, becomes self perpetuating. yeah, yeah. And, and i don't think we're in that i mean we're still in the in the team building squad building phase for uae emirates i think we're quite early on in that process of sort of gobbling up all the best riders but Daniel, you did suggest last week that it, the tour could be won this year a la <laughs> by a, a
1: rank outsider who, who sneaks into a break and gains 20 minutes. Can I throw a possible name to win the tour in that style? Chris Froome. <laughs> How about it? He, he was confirmed as road captain for Israel Startup Nation
0: last week. Could this be the way that he wins his fifth tour? Well, I think it's the most likely way for him to win the tour. But yeah, there've been a few eyebrows raid or some sort of sniffy, snooty comments about Israel picking. What, a bit like the one that you just made. No, no, about, <laughs> about Froome being picked for Israel's tour team. I got the sense in the Dauphine that it was very much 50-50. It was in the balance based on his performances. But, you know, we've, I mean, we've speculated and everyone has really about the length of his contract and how much he's being paid. And that's really been used as a stick, to beat through him, as have, to be fair, his own comments you know, going back a year ago and in the winter about how he hoped to be back and competitive for the 2021 Tour de France you know I, I think we have to consider um, that, that it, it, it was a step into the unknown for him this recovery process obviously in that situation you are going to be optimistic when you're asked to, to project and, and, and think about where you might be in 12 months time so he said you know he hoped to be back to his best and he's not back to his best it's taken a lot longer than he thought and um, you know, that's, that's unfortunate for him, but it's not really his fault. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's a good story. It's, it's admirable, admirable that he is still as determined as he was when he was winning the, the Tour de France. So um, it's going to be interesting to, to watch. And I do think he'll get better in the Tour and he will probably have one or two days when he will be um, prominent at the front, possibly contending for stage wins.
2: Mm, what? Well. What I think about Froome is that if he really is a serious guy, and and usually you know you can you, he's a guy you can count on, and if he takes his job as a road captain seriously and really devotes uh, you know his energy and his experience to the job, uh, as you know he, he might not show as much on the road as outside uh, the road in the hotels, in the bus, in the in the preparation to the stage. Uh, he's got so much uh, experience of the Tour de France and of winning it and of competing for the GC that he might be invaluable help to woods and, and and martin if they do compete for the GC and in that role it could be really astounding I think
1: got my calculator out here daniel recreating one of the <laughs> uh the best scenes in the movie star Netflix series uh, when they were calculating their um watts per kilo they'd be required to put out on the angleroo i think it was but um I've been working out the average age of the israel startup nation team what 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 do you think it is you went when when a cycling podcast casket, if you get this right
0: thirty two point something, I would get right two and a half correct yeah they got Greipel in there yeah Um but, but not the oldest gri- not the oldest um team to ever take part in the tour I think Radio Shack Circa... 2012 2013 were, were older yeah I think you're right I think
1: you're right um but certainly an experienced squad although Mike Woods is pretty young in cycling years they're not I mean Froome road captain they're not they're not going to be continuing to win the tour but Dan
0: Martin what will they be a listening to on the team bus. for me what will they be listening to they'll be Crosby Stills and Nash or well, you know, well I hope they're not listening probably, to Froome's playlist it was kind of the sound of the summer when they were in their youth I think rick zabel likes his music
1: but mike woods and dan martin are going to be are going to be going for stage ones aren't they in the mountains even maybe as early as Mur um, uh, de britannia on stage two for dan martin who won there before um what do we our first podcast from the tour is going to come out on saturday evening after stage one i mean what are we what are we thinking about that is it shades of philippe gilbert in what was it 2011 and um, where he went into that Stage One uh, with huge expectation and and Julie delivered. Uh, there's there's that perhaps around Matthew Vanderpool uh, with a couple of questions about his recent form and, and health, I
0: suppose. Uh, but he must be the big favourite, is he for Stage One? Do you think? I think he will be the favourite, but it's a really difficult one to call, isn't it? Because it's a well 3.1 kilometer climb. It's just at the the sort of length and steepness, just over five percent average gradient that where it, it does create some uncertainty you know it's not necessarily going to be a sprinter puncher it could even be more of a climber particularly in the last sort of two 300 meters um, we've seen you know there was a stage finish last year in the Vuelta that Roglic won and um, that was quite similar but that was an even shorter climb that was a two kilometer climb so I wouldn't even I wouldn't rule out Roglic in spite of what I said about maybe having um, misjudge that and thinking that Van Aert and Van der Poel and Alaphilippe have a better chance but I would not rule out Roglic.
2: Yeah, it, it, it'll be... If you look at the course, a class, well, a, a real one-day class Breton classic, we're going through Châteaulin. That's that's probably the the, the 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 Breton capital of cycling, you know, where we had the Boucle de l'Aune every year, and it's that there there, are, there were loads of French championships there, and and I mean we're going through towns that that, that you know Breton that that belong to the legends of uh, the legend of Breton cycling, and uh, the. the well you know in spite of the pandemic but i'm, I'm sure the, the crowds and the, and the support uh, there will be will be tremendous so i think that first day in, in itself will will be a, a, a really really an exciting an exciting moment and the guy who's going to win this uh c- can only be you know a, well we, we name the guys but, but but will also be a gc contender in many ways
1: I think back to that Jumbo Visma documentary uh, last year Daniel and Watt Van Aert's um, frustration on the stage that finished in the stage two where they went up the the Caldez um, and uh, Van Aert had to stop and help Damoulin when he had a little little tumble uh, and that destroyed his chances of going for that stage and maybe taking the yellow jersey. And for all that Van Aert is is playing down his his form at the moment, having had a hernia operation recently. I just wonder um if uh if Van Aert might fancy that. I mean I'm sure he does fancy that, but whether that would fit into the the overall Jumbo Visma game plan. And I think after last year's experience it probably would. I mean, you know, give give Van Aert a bone early on and uh uh, you know, an early yellow jersey, um, and and he's certainly, I think, one of the one of the one of the favourites for that stage.
0: I mean, I don't think there's any issue with that. There's no issue with Van Art simultaneously going. For he's the my stage. outsider, Daniel. He's my big outsider. <laughs> he, can, he can simultaneously be sort of guard dog and attack dog for Roglic on that stage. I think you know, Roglic can look after himself in the last two three hundred meters, and he'll probably have the whole team still at his side at that point. But the the one slight concern with Roglic is that having not raced I mean it's well documented that he's always um, gone very well immediately after altitude camps and he doesn't need a lot of racing to get into top form but I think they will Jumbo Visma will still be slightly concerned about that for the first three or four days until he's he's reassured them that he is firing
2: um, in Brittany yeah, what, what's nice about this stage is that there can't be any holding back. Like last, last year with the impression humoristmore were, you know desperately trying not to, to to take the yellow jersey with a stage like this, you have to go for it. And and I mean I can't see Roglic or Van Al say, Oh no, I don't want to be in the yellow jersey, I'm not winning that stage. You know, it won't happen. Yeah, you you have the, the best guy win and the best guy probably keep in the jersey for some time. So it's it's crucial.
0: Absolutely. Um do you want my so 18? What you mentioned Rich? Do you want my 18, oh, you're 18. Stage? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll,
2: give us your 18 for
1: the first season, then and then I'm I'll not, ask uh, I'm, Francois. I'm about not,
0: okay, starting with the most, most likely first for the first yellow jersey of the tour uh, van der Poel, van art, colbrelli, aramburu, rog, pog, Matthews, Laporte, porte, cause Ala a Philippe, a Philippe's a bit, and no, a Philippe's too far down there, isn't he? <laughs> he should be, he should be, and then a four or five positions live corrections um, yeah, corner as we to go top there, um, Thomas. Sagan, Steuben, Woods, Valverde, Court, Crow Anderson, Dan Martin, and Dylan mm. Turns.
1: No, David Godou. No. Goddu. I'll
0: chuck Godou's name I've in got the hat. I that wrong, Francois? I'll chuck Godou's no, name in right. the hat for, for that, Sunday, that, no, for Mour right. Britannia
2: yeah I think you're right i think Godou, I think God well, he, he will want to to shine in in Brittany, but he he's, he's probably looking for you know big stage wins in the big mountains i think so uh, i and he's, he's never shown is he's, he, he's, he's good in his sort of stages he's good to be a top ten he'll, he'll probably be a top ten finisher in one of those stages, but to win it he've never showed he could do it you know really
0: Madouas. I was also tempted to put Madouas in there, but i don't think he's going quite well no. enough at the moment.
2: Same with another you another,
0: another another <laughs> Breton, um, Francois. We are we are going to be in the heartland of
1: French cycling. I think that will be our first kilometer zero episode, a real feature on cycling in Brittany. But um, what what do you expect? You mentioned the crowds. What do we expect from this tour in Brittany and beyond in terms of crowds? The team's presentation is being held on Thursday evening in front of a crowd. Um, it will feel, I gather almost normal but what do we expect from the rest of the race i mean it was interesting watching the french championships because there were there were big crowds out in the course at the finish there was this ludicrous situation where the final 200 meters was empty of fans mm. yeah, but they that, were that's... they were packed in either side of that
2: yeah there's a little bit of uncertainty about that because i think the the, the situation has changed in france uh, dr- dramatically quickly in, 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 in and in a good way uh, as far as the pandemic is is concerned i mean everything is is almost back to normal in france now as you know mm. richard uh, living here uh i mean no masks uh the m- masks are not compulsory anymore uh outdoors so uh and and i mean even if they are still Kind of restrictions in, in in you know for in groupings and crowds. I I think they'll be very lenient uh, and the authorities will be very lenient on 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 crowds this year. They were already lenient last year. I think there might be even more uh, this time. So I I th- think we can expect big crowds on the tour. Yeah, mostly and especially in Brittany. Um, well, we'll see. There, there there was a concern about the uh, the elections. You know, on sun, on the Sunday there are uh, there, there are you know regional elections in France and they, they were concerned that there might create problems in terms of uh, traffic jams because of the tour and people unable to go and vote but actually the first run of elections took place and only, only a third of the french no, went nobody turned to, went out to, to vote yeah. anyway so it doesn't <laughs> so it doesn't it matter be, yeah it shouldn't be a major uh, issue so no, yeah no i expect really I, I really do expect lots of crowds and uh and, and an almost normal tour we'll see I mean,
0: Charles, one danger is that we have been lulled into a bit of a false sense of security, particularly with regard to the riders. The biggest anxiety this time last year was that um, riders and teams could be culled because of um, positive COVID tests. And indeed, you know, there were... Uh, staff members sent home on the eve of the race and no one's really talking about that this year but it is possible isn't it that we could l- and we saw it with
1: Bernal I mean Ber- Bernal you know tested positive just after winning the Giro imagine if that test had come back a day or so I dare say that he tested positive because he dropped his own guard having won the Giro but nevertheless um, imagine the <laughs> imagine the, the what would have happened had that positive test come before the end of the Giro um, the, we're we're living with this possibility, and as you say, Daniel, it was in the front of our our, our heads, our minds last year throughout the tour, um, and we were almost surprised to get through it without a team or, or or riders sent sent home. It did happen then at the Giro, but it's it's definitely a. A, a, more than a possibility at the tour, you yeah. would think. But the Especially if people's guards do
2: drop. Yeah, the so-called bubbles will be kept. Uh, you know officially uh, this year at the tour, so you have the journalist bubble, the the race bubble, and th- this is not changing. And I I, I guess that they'll, they'll they'll make sure you know it, at least for two thirds of the tour they'll make sure it it it, it keeps in in. Uh, so it, it'll it'll be the case for the tour caravan as such. But I don't know how much it will affect the crowds and the the relationship uh, between the crowds and the riders. This is difficult to say.
1: Another couple of bits of business. Once again, we'll be selling uh, Stacey Snyder's beautiful mugs, cappuccino sets and gelato bowls. Um, They will go on sale on Saturday during Stage 1. We'll confirm later in the week also in our, our, our newsletter, the 1101 Cappuccino, which will come later this week. Um, exactly how to try and buy one of these beautiful objects. Um, the money um, that, that that's raised by the sales of those objects uh, always goes to a good cause or good causes. We had some fantastic nominations again, so thank you very much for those. Um, we've decided to go with uh, one uh, that's quite close to home because it's a, a very dedicated, uh, loyal listener to the podcast, Liam Bergen who has a brain tumour. He's been blogging about this quite a lot. Um, Liam is 50. He collapsed with a seizure after a 90 kilometre bike ride and was diagnosed with an aggressive brain tumour. He had surgery, but was given a prognosis of two to four years. He's a father to three girls and next week to raise money for brain tumour research. He's riding coast to coast in the UK in the company of some friends. Um, So the proceeds from uh, Stacey's mugs and cups and gelatables will go to brain tumor research this is quite close to my heart as well because I lost a good friend Paul Cooper um who was also listening to the podcast um recently to uh, the same thing a brain tumor it's an awful thing and it affects an awful lot of young people um so our best of luck to Liam and we're very pleased to support his his ride and the cause of brain tumor research um as I say details on how to buy those will come later in the week um I mentioned our audio diarist we're also going to be hearing at the tour from kate wagner an american journalist uh, architecture critic um, she has been writing about cycling for a little while now and ha- and keeps a blog wrote some fantastic stuff during the giro um, i read out something that she'd written uh, or an excerpt of something she'd written at terreno adriatico about matthew van der poel's famous attack she writes a very fresh and interesting way about cycling a really interesting new voice and she's going to be keeping an audio diary for us too about her first tour de France as a journalist, um, and I think that's going to be really, really interesting. So stay tuned for that. You'll hear that in the kilometre zero, and perhaps in our nightly episodes too. And maybe Kate will join us. We're certainly hoping that she can join us for some of our episodes during the tour. So um, you'll get to know her as well. Any other, any other business ahead of the the, the big KO on Saturday?
0: Just a bit, of, just a bit of a stop press. Um, if I could get a, Francois quick quick hot take on Arkea Samsic's team for the tour, which has just been released. Dan McClay is in there, Connor Swift as well. But what strikes me immediately... Glad, glad to hear Swift's that, in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, what strikes me immediately is that, um, apart from, well, Quintana himself, none of the sort of cohort of climbers um, and domestics that came with... Quintana to Arcair Samsung has been selected. So no Winner Anacona, no um, Dyer Quintana, and no Diego Rosa. And Anacona crashed at the Dauphine, um, so that might be an ex- explanation for his omission. Uh, but from um, Francois, at this stage, so we're a year and a half into Quintana's time at Arcair Samsung, is it sort of turning, I won't, I won't say sour, but is it sort of looking like a a um, semi-disappointment
2: at this stage. Uh, One explanation might be that, you know, as you know, Arkea Samsic is a real Breton team. They're... They're sponsored and, uh, you know, funded by the Brittany region in many ways. They come from being Bretagne, sure, a long time ago. Their main sponsors are Breton. And so maybe it's all for Bargill, you know, at the start, uh, at the start of the, being a Breton himself, at the start of this. I'm sure this this, this start of the Tour de France, the Grand Départ, means a, 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 an awful lot to Arceus, Something, am So maybe Quintana was not priority. But this said, I... Think I can say you know, uh, from so- some of the sources I have that the uh, uh, I could I say adaptation or settlement of uh, uh Quintana and his uh, guys in in inside the team as yeah I mean you know it it it. That it has not really taken on as as well as uh, expected. They they were hoping for Yvon le Dan- the, the mayonnaise the mayonnaise has not taken. Yeah, the well, the thing is, you know, to, to, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 to translate literally. The, the, yeah, the thing is, you know, between when when you've got uh, you know Col- Colombians and that kind of culture to try and 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 you know to take roots and and blossom in in a very Breton minded team. I mean, it, it was it was worth the try, and and they were hoping for Yvon Who's actually the guy who's ruling the team? Who's been with Movistar Who speaks fluent Spanish? Who who's, who's, who knows uh, Colombia and Colombians well? They were hoping for Yvonne to 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 help uh, Quintana settle in. I think it's it's, it's in in many ways. I, I don't think they they'll, they'll they'll be cross if I say it, but I think it's it's kind of a failure. And and that that might explain why uh, the lineup is what it is. He's
1: got another year there next year. Quintana. It started so promisingly, didn't it? But um he's been a little bit lackluster recently quintana um well francois i mean throughout the tour you're going to be our cultural guide our our food guide our wine guide um and looking forward to that aspect of the tour as well what are the particular highlights we should look forward to
2: ah well we we're going to have a cheese of the day i mean you you, i would have well we already have, have our selection of wines uh and and the idea was to 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 make Something dif- different, and not to have a wine of the day, which should have been simple. We 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 will have wine. Don't worry, Richard. I see you. You make a strange face all of a sudden. But but we we we're, we're going for cheese of the day, which is a little bit strange because we're starting in Brittany, and Brittany is probably the only region in France without cheese. You know, so they so it'll be it'll be an interesting uh, approach. We can't get to cheese think.
1: for love nor money in Brittany. Eh?
2: Yeah, but I think it's a funny thing because it's 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 a, it's a story in itself. Why why it doesn't Brittany, which is the, the, the leading dairy products uh, region in France. Why don't they uh, make cheese? That That's a story. We'll talk about that. I'm sure,
1: uh, Francois, well, you can get your... What were your guilty pleasures? Baby bell or something? Was it like that? Was it, <laughs> in, I'm, uh, spotted in
2: the garage buying it's true. some it's true. Yeah, yeah, processed I, cheese? Yeah, I do, I do buy a lousy cheese from time to time. I mean, we all have these this, this little guilty pleasures, and I have more than, than enough. <laughs> no, I, I'm looking forward to Carcassonne. I mean, it's, it's outside the, 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 the the, the tour of um, well, of course, we're going to Le Viscos during the Pyrenees, which is our usual, uh, you know, hangout when we get to the Pyrenees, and we'll we'll discuss uh, cheese and various things then. But I, I I was really I really wanted to go when we we're in Carcassonne, and the, the the race will be going to through Minerve, and Minerve uh, is is the capital of the Minervois region, which and Minervois, as you know, is 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 uh, is great wine, and and there's an Englishman uh, making absolutely tremendous wines uh, near Minerve, who's called Robert Eden. And he's the grandson of uh, a former British prime minister, uh, Anthony Eden. And, uh, and, well, I arranged a little rendezvous uh, with him. He's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's running a place called Chateau Maris, and they're making absolutely gorgeous wines, uh, you know, orga- most of them organic. And it'll be very interesting, you know, uh, to uh, discuss w- ma- winemaking in France uh, by your Brit. Uh, and there you Whatever are. next. <laughs> and, uh, <yeah. clears throat>
1: Fantastic. Can't wait for that. I can't wait for, for a lot of it, actually. And we're also going to be staying along the way this time with, I think, three different friends of the podcast who either own hotels or, you know, um, Chambordot in, in throughout France and have very generously offered accommodation to us. So that's going to be a fun part of the journey too. Um, and as I say, we'll confirm our, our final lineup later this week still being put together, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, listen, I'll see you both in Brittany. Um, Francois, I'll, I'll see you at the, the station in Brest on Friday. Daniel, I'll see you um, rushing around, cameraman
0: in tow. Um, I'll be already acclimatized, assimilated. I'll be about um, four soggy salad de chevre show <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here we go Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait for my salad chevre show.
1: Fantastic.
0: <laughs> glumly, glumly contemplating the Atlantic wondering you know how, how many more i've got to to chomp through i mean it could Paris. be it could
1: be weather wise it could be a, a pretty grim uh, first few days um the weather forecast is is pretty rubbish until the middle of next week up here in northern france so that could be uh, bring a really interesting uh, dynamic to the racing if nothing else but pack your waterproofs and francois i'll see you in Brittany. see you there see you daniel see you chaps good luck To become a friend of the podcast or to sign up for our weekly newsletter, go to thecyclingpodcast.com. Our theme music is by Glass Pear, and this episode was produced by Hugh Owen.